It's time for Tuck Talk, presented by the Osceola. Your favorite FSU hoops commentary are brought to you by Farm Stores, Chick-fil-A, and Alumni Hall. Now, here's Aria Masudi and Bob Ferranti. Tuck Talk, a big week for Florida State basketball. They are on a five-game win streak since the last time uh, we spoke to you. Big wins over Syracuse, over Duke, and then against UNF. The Knolls took care of business as they get set to play the Miami Hurricanes for the second time uh, in just a couple of weeks. Aria Masudi, Bob Ferranti joining you. I want to thank our sponsors, Alumni Hall, Chick-fil-A, Farm Stores. You guys make this possible. We are on Apple, on Spotify. Check out uh, OsceolaNews.com and uh, the Osceola putting out great work. I uh, want to say that we're being joined by Austin VZ of Sports Illustrated's Noel Game Day. You can check his work out. Uh, they do fantastic work over there, and uh, coverage of Florida State Athletics has just gotten bigger and bigger at Noel Game Day. Bob, hello. Austin, hello. How are you doing? Feeling better? Uh, last couple of times we talked, I mean, after that Wake game, you were uh, you, you were down, but <laughs> but the uh, the optimism, the, the stubborn optimism has won out now, right? Yeah, I mean, Austin gets these phone calls, trust me. He, he gets the uh, negativity and the uh, positivity almost immediately after it happens. Yeah, yeah, about once a week, I'll get a phone call from Aria going, what are we doing? Hey, what, what, what is this team? And uh, after the away game, I think we were all kind of, it seems like I turned a corner real fast, and they've turned a, quarter pre- turned a corner pretty fast. I think it's safe to say that. 12 and 5. Uh, Bob, let's start with you. Um, we're not going to break down every single game. I do think uh, we want to go through the, the Duke win specifically. Um, we'll touch on Syracuse and UNF, um, maybe lightly here and there, trends that you saw. Um, Bob, this week has been huge for FSU basketball. It's changed a lot of the uh, the dynamics of the season uh, and, and where a lot of people think this team can now end the year. And that's in the NCAA tournament, which is something we couldn't have said probably about seven to ten days ago. Yeah, they were definitely on the outside looking in and now potentially first first four on the bubble or whatever you want to call it. I, I think the Duke game said a lot. You know, looking at some bullet points I've written down, obviously – it's a huge Q1 win. Evans was clutch. Mills after halftime was huge with 16 to 18 points. Butler was, I mean, the guy just has such a smooth shot from three. Um, that little touch floater he kind of had to Malik with some huge minutes when injured. McLeod with a career night, boards, um, points. Cleveland fearlessly driving. Fletcher uh, polite in the second half with his defense. Force had nine steals. Duke had 15 turnovers, and Force only had five turnovers. Those are my main bullet points. I think when you add up that kind of performance overall across the the roster, it it, it makes for what was really an exciting game and, and a huge win for the program. Austin, thoughts on the week overall? Because it has, like I said, it's changed a, a lot of uh, the projections of where Florida State can now go with this unit and with this group. Yeah, r- real quick, just on Syracuse. Um, you know, you go into that game, you find out you don't have arguably your best player, you know, 20 minutes before the game as Malik's still with an ankle injury. That's going to keep him sidelined for some games, not all games for the next probably month or so. Um, you go into that game and then just have one of the wildest shooting performances Leonard Hamilton's teams have ever had shooting 60%. Uh, I think it's the eighth best shooting performance they've ever had under Hamilton. Um, so you go from that game, you get some momentum, get a win on the road, come into Duke, you know, just the momentum of having won three in a row in the conference, you know, you could tell the guys had a little bit more pep in their step. You know, they, they were ready to prove themselves against what has always been the gold standard in the ACC, even in down years. People always look at Duke as 
the premier team in this conference, and for good reason. I mean, they've done very well in this conference with Coach K at the home. And just throughout the game, you know, especially in that second half, you know, there's times where you're thinking, Florida State might run away with this. You know, they're up 59-50 with, what was it, seven minutes left. Um, you're thinking, just, man, just one more basket, just one more basket. Um, that basket never came, and so they started finally falling on Duke's side. They finally found ways to get Ben Carroll the ball. Because Duke was not used to the way Florida State plays defense. They really weren't. Um, they'd never seen ball pressure like that. They'd never seen a team that front of the post like that. And, and it really got them off their game. Once Duke went their 2-3 zone, and that's something Florida State really struggles with right now is their zone offense and, and how they see the gaps, how they attack the gaps. Um, we saw it a little bit more in the UNF game, just but that's just because you know, UNF's a smaller team. It's easier to finish over those teams. But Florida State was able to hand on. Coach K outsmarted himself twice down the stretch. Um, first going man-to-man, that last possession in regulation to, that got Evans, uh, I won't say mismatch, but he got switched on to Ben Carroll and just finished over the top of him and Williams, one of the toughest finishes you'll see in college basketball. Um, and then not calling timeout in overtime with 12 seconds left. And Wendell Moore is the only one that touches the ball. I, th- I thought that was a mistake. Um, it was huge for the program. As you guys mentioned, you, you finally get a Q1 win um, when there's not many of them left on the schedule. Uh, luckily, Miami is going to be one this weekend. Hopefully, you can get another one there. Um, it, it was just big for resume, big for confidence. And you, before you know it, a win on Saturday and you're first in the ACC, I don't think anyone would have thought that, you know, coming out of the Wake Forest game. Yeah, and so macro, big picture for me, and then we're, we're going to break down a little of what went right in, in some of these games for FSU and, and how they are uh, adjusting to their roles, as we'll call it. Uh, macro for me, I'm starting to see this FSU culture kind of rear its, I'm not even going to call it ugly head. It's pretty head. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. Again, the, the, a new group, eight newcomers, and that same toughness that we've come to find Leonard Hamilton's program's having. Austin, you've been a part of that program. You know all about it. We're starting to see it. You know, we've already talked about the Miami game. Uh, we've already talked about Florida State finishing uh, against Louisville uh, when the Cardinals made, made a little run there. Uh, early in the season, we were surprised when FSU couldn't finish games out. I think the coaching staff was surprised when this team was wilting a little bit. Even Ray Evans said after the Duke game, um, you know, I think mentality has just completely changed for us since December because we are being the aggressor. We're playing with confidence and we're playing with that sense of urgency. This week, Syracuse, Florida State was a close game. The Knowles made all the plays down the stretch to win that one. Duke, Florida State, obviously a close game. The Knowles made all the plays down the stretch to win that one. Um, It's interesting, right? Because you just came to expect it with Florida State in the past. Two minutes and under, the Knowles are going to find a way because they're just tougher than you. They're a deeper team than you. They're fresher legs than you. And they quite honestly just have guys that are more composed than you have in the final two minutes. You might have all the talent. You might have kids that are going to be lotto picks. But FSU has a program that's tough as nails and isn't going to wilt in the moment. I think that's been the biggest difference for me since December to now in this five-game win streak is crunch time. The Knowles are making the right plays. They're making all the right plays. Um and it's coming from a, a number of different players, boys. Like, gentlemen, it's, it's not just one guy. It's a bunch of different guys. Uh, can we shout out Naheem McLeod for the way he's played over the last 10 days or so? Uh, he went on a wrecking ball of a streak against Duke in the early part of that second half where nobody on that Duke roster wanted a piece of Naheem McLeod. Um, can we shout out the way Cleveland has played? John Butler has played. Um, Evans, we've given plenty of praise. He's continued to earn that. 
Anthony Polite has started to become comfortable in a, a different role this season for him. His shot's not there, but he's finding ways to get rebounds, to get to the free throw line, and to still play that excellent defense. And uh, I'm going to go to Austin here. This team is on pace to be the best Leonard Hamilton team at forcing turnovers. It's amazing how uncomfortable they're making people on that side of the ball. It's impressive. I mean, the you, you can sum up how Duke felt against ball pressure in the one play where Ben Carroll brought the ball up in the first half and Cam Fletcher is just hounding him up the floor, just all over him, swiping at the ball. You know, it ends up being a timeout um, after they all go to the floor. Could have gone really either way. Um, I, to me, you left out one player, though, and that is Harrison Prieto. He's been forced to play some extra minutes because Florida State's bigs haven't been that great, and he's played really well. He may not have the stats, like against UNF. I don't think he scored a single point, but he was plus 17 in 11 minutes. He, it, there's something about experience, knowing where to be, knowing how to defend. You know, you saw he gets the defensive spear against UNF. Um, I, was, I was even told UNF had him in his... Had, had him in their scouting report. And like, you, you don't expect that from your normal walk-on. It's just the minutes he's given this team right now is huge. Um, Naheem's made great improvements, as you mentioned. You can see it. It's, it's rare that you see tangible improvements this fast throughout the course of a season in, in a big guy. But he's learning how to play with this size. And he's being that vertical threat that Florida State needs. Um, at, at once Balsha left early, we were kind of wondering what the, what the vertical threat's going to be. Naheem's starting to become that, especially on the glass. Um, but, but yeah, going back to your point of forcing turnovers, it seems just insane that they're averaging 10 steals per game, leading the conference, um, forcing, I think it's like 23% turnover rate, 22 points, something, something like that. Um, and to force Duke into a 21% turnover rate, that's impressive because they were one of the 10 best teams in the country coming in that game, uh, taking care of the ball. It's really impressive. I mean, really impressive. There's been games where they haven't been the best, but even against Wake Forest when they got blown out, they had what was 18 forced turnovers, 19 forced turnovers. It's just something they know how to do. And because they're purposely slowing the game down recently, um, it's forcing teams to play in the half court against them. And that's the last thing you want to do against Florida State is to try and play half court offense against Florida State's half court defense. Their their length is going to swarm you and overwhelm you eventually. It may not happen right away, but it will happen at some point in the game. Bob, from your conversations uh, covering this team, the post games with Coach Ham. Uh, he's been very proud of the way this team has played over the last couple of weeks, but he thinks there's another gear they can take it to. Yeah, I think Coach Hamilton told us for weeks and weeks, you know, kind of just just wait and be patient. This team will be really good in February. And I kind of want to say, you know, you were you were wrong. I mean, they're they're ahead of schedule right now. They're really good in January. And if you kind of toss out the Wake Forest game, maybe a bit of an outlier, this team's been really damn good in January. And I think it, it's hard to be patient sometimes. And for the coaches, it was a kind of how much do you push? How much are you patient? Um, you know, Coach Ham said it wasn't so much chemistry. It was it was continuity. It was being cohesive, guys playing together, guys getting practices, you know, good practices together instead of, you know, the whole, the whole COVID issues and missing those ball games. So I think we're starting to see what this team is really capable of. Um, I, I think we were all kind of curious, you know, what could Naheem do? And Naheem is really... I think delivered some quality minutes. Um, a guy who's played a lot of zone at Chipola, so it's it's kind of a challenge for him to get into the man principles here. But a guy who we think can be you know very much a contributor down the stretch for Florida State. So all right, good win against Cuse on the road. Noel shoot it 
12 of 20 from beyond the arc, as Austin mentioned, uh, one of the better performances that they've had in a long time. Uh, it was great to see because I still don't know if I buy this team as a, as a great shooting team. Um, but the coaching staff will, will tell you, whoever will listen, that they think this is a much better shooting team than people are giving them credit for. Um, and they expect the shots for Wilkes and for Polite to, to start falling at some point. Um, so I think we can turn the book on Syracuse. Good win for FSU, made all the plays down the stretch. Uh, big free throws and uh, the Knowles, I think, beat a team that we all thought that they should have beat the first time. And uh, realistically, they could have swept them this season. It's it's a Cuse team that I don't think is very good. Uh, I think they have a very efficient offense and a terrible defense. Um, and something's just not right up in New York with Coach Beheim uh, towards the end of his tenure. All right, Austin, let's talk Duke. Uh, we've ta- we, we've touched on it a little bit already. Uh, the Knowles forced a, a ton of turnovers, uh, but for about the first 15 minutes defensively. Has anyone played Paolo Bancaro better in college basketball this season? No chance. I mean, like I mentioned, he, he's never seen a team front the post like that. And he, he didn't want the ball. That, that was the thing that was crazy about me throughout the entire game. Even in that last sequence, you know, the announcers are saying, I expect him to give it back to Bancaro once he inbounds it. He just ran away from the ball. And it kind of seemed like it, that was the case for most of the game. Obviously, the last five minutes in the second half was a little bit different. Um, but he's never been played like that. I don't. I don't think he will again till, till Florida State goes to Cameron Indoor in uh, middle February. It, it, it was a really impressive showing. Um, not on, not only there, but on the offensive glass. I mean, to, to grab 19 offensive rebounds, the, the most Duke's given up since they gave up 23 to Carolina in 2016. I, that, that's saying something when you're when you're talking about Carolina offensive rebounds. Um, and we talked about forcing turnovers, but Florida State did a phenomenal job themselves taking care of the ball. You know, only five turnovers for them themselves, a 7% turnover rate, the second lowest in Coach Hamilton's tenure. I mean, that, that's, that's why you bring back a 50-year point guard in Raekwon Evans, even if he didn't play that great last season. You know, we've seen it the last couple of weeks. That th- this is the guy that Florida State needs. Um, and he was big down the stretch, really big throughout the whole game, just taking care of the ball, making sure everyone's where they're supposed to be. And even one of those, like, one of those five turnovers was Caleb Mills just barely stepping out of bounds. Um, it, it was just little things like that. They, they were so dialed into the game plan. Um, and if you're going to miss 46 shots against Duke, if you're going to collect 19 of them on the offensive glass, you know, it works out. Austin, a lot of that too was uh, early in the second half. I mean, it was the first five minutes, Florida State, whatever Coach Ham told them at, uh, in the locker room. And I know you've been privy to some of those conversations in the past that follow, you know, the same, uh, the, the, the same flow uh, into the break or, or what Leonard might say. Uh, but that energy level, and I'm going to throw it to Bob here real quick, and then Austin, I'll get your thoughts on it too. Bob, that first five minutes of the second half was as gritty and gutsy and high level of performance as, as we've seen from Florida State, I think, in a while. Yeah, I think Duke opened up the half at like two of thirteen. It was it was something awful like that, and Florida State was about ready. You know, like like Austin mentioned earlier, you felt like they were one bucket away from just going on a tear and, and Duke wasn't going to be able to come back. Um, I, I thought it was really impressive what, what the coaches put together as far as a game plan. Um, one thing that I think really hurt, did hurt Duke is, is Keel's injury about midway through the second half. I think that really threw them off. They were trying to, it's a, they don't have a deep enough bench Duke and that's fine because they've got studs everywhere. But when you lose a, a big guy like Keel's, then you're, you're kind of limiting yourself and you got some foul issues. So it, it did throw them off just enough. And I think, it, you know, to Florida state's credit, you got to use that as an advantage. And, um, and it, it, 
it did just enough as they were able to, um, you know, to, to play through some tight moments there in the second half and then win it in overtime without Keels uh, on the Duke side. So, Austin, what, what do you think that locker room conversation was like for, for Coach Ham? Um, it, I, I know the staff, they watch film more than anyone I've ever been around. I, I know they gave this team the Duke-Wake Forest game, and I don't know if you guys watched that game. Um, it was a very back and forth first half. You know, Duke goes into halftime on a quick six nothing run to go up five at the break. And that, that's how the Florida State game felt. You know, both teams back and forth. Duke goes on a run at the end of the first half. Then the start of the second half, Duke just lights it up. I mean, they're forced to turnovers, hitting threes. Uh, a five point game went to a 20 point game in a span of about four minutes. So I know that conversation in the locker room is going, hey, we need a strong five minutes out of halftime. We need to stay in this game that's really a theme that, that Duke's had all season. They kind, of, they kind of struggle in the first half. If you can hand in those first five minutes of the second half, you're going to hand in there all game. I know that's what they're saying. I know that's what the guys were telling themselves before the coaches got in the locker room. And they, they responded so well. Those first five minutes out of, out of halftime were arguably the best five minutes they played that entire game. Um, just a really impressive stretch of basketball. That five-minute stretch of Florida State basketball, if they can – find a way to do that for 40 minutes against anybody they're gonna be tough to beat they're gonna be really tough to beat and, and I really mean that um it, this team is you know two baskets away against Syracuse and South Carolina to being you know uh, what, what's thought of as a really good team and you know they're growing into it like you mentioned you know they haven't taken care of it at the end of games like they should have but you know they're, they're definitely getting there and that, that first five minutes stretch was very impressive yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny how, you know, uh, you don't worry about records to an extent because the the margin between a 14 and 3 team and a, and a you know, a 13 and 5 team or a 12 and 5 team right now uh, is is not much, right? It, it doesn't change the matchups and, and how a team uh, fares against another or how on, you know, on paper that these two teams match up. It just comes down to execution in a couple of games. Um, all right, so... Here's what we got to figure out <clears throat> with Florida State uh, going forward. Uh, they play really well against Duke, going into beating them in overtime. Um, who are some players, Bob, that, that stood out to you in that Duke game that you think FSU can kind of use um, that level of play going forward? I love John Butler's game. I mean, I, I think we know him as almost truly a three-point specialist at times, but he has such good touch inside the arc. I, I think that's a guy who, you know, we're seeing him start. We're seeing him get significant minutes. I want to see more and more of, of, of Butler. Um, Cam Fletcher is a guy who I think can give you more too. I think uh, the way Cam kind of slashing in the lane at times, he he just, he, he's got that gear, I think, from an energy standpoint on the defensive end that, that you can see him being really productive on both ends of the court. Um, I'm still a huge fan of Naheem McLeod. I think he can have some really good uh, – not high minute games, but maybe those, those kind of 12 to 15 minute performances that are really productive for you. I, I think we're starting to just see a deeper rotation overall uh, develop in January. I think that's a, that's a really good storyline for this team. Austin, who, uh, who took the bull by the horns in that game and, and turned a corner? Uh, for, for me, it was overtime Caleb Bills. You, you talk about that five minute stretch. Um, I don't think he missed a shot. If he did, it was just one. But that three-pointer he hit with a minute left is as confident a shot, not only that you can take, but make. You know, Duke just hit a big shot to go up two. 
minute left. You know, you come right down the floor, you're struggling against the zone. It's like, huh, let me just pull up from three on the wing with a minute left, see what I can do. I mean, that's, that's as good of a shot as you can hit. Um, I know you and I have talked a lot that if, if he can give Florida State 16 to 18 points consistently every single night, he, he can't have those, you know, the first Syracuse games where he's, you know, one of, th- one of 13 or whatever it was. If he can consistently give you a 16 to 18 points, Florida State's tough to beat because he can get to his spots and, and make a defense pay for giving him just an inch of space. Um, you know, Raekwon Evans has really turned a corner, as, we, as we've mentioned. And, and like Bob said, Naheem has to start getting some more minutes. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of his. Um, once we gave him a second chance to, to come back on the team, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. Um, but he's really proved me wrong, and I'm, I'm happy I could say that. I, I think he's got to start playing 14, 15 minutes, because like I mentioned earlier, he's given Florida State a, a vertical threat that they haven't had all season. And so it's just one more thing that defenses have to worry about. Because um, as Coach K mentioned b- before they played Florida State, it, it's the simplest game plan because you don't have to worry about one specific guy. But at the same time, it's the toughest team to play because there's so many guys that can hurt you. And when you have a guy like Naheem that's playing so well, it's just one more thing that they have to be prepared for. Yeah, six offensive rebounds against Duke. And, and I agree. You know, Naheem's a guy who um, I think whatever the challenge was from the coaching staff to, to match Mark Williams and, and to make sure that you don't get punked, uh, Mark Williams played a great game. And he, and he is a really good basketball player. Uh, but Naheem did more than enough to kind of assert himself and change that game. And um, his ability to, to kind of go back up and get his own misses, uh, to get other people's misses, to clean up some baskets around the rim. And as Austin mentioned, to have, I think for the first time in a while, a true lob threat when you get into the center of that defense. Uh, it reminds you of Kumaji. Uh, Kumaji wasn't the most developed big, but he had great hands. And if you put it up there, big fella was going up to get it and he was bringing it down between the cylinder. Um, that's big. Uh, I also thought Caleb Mills took a step forward. I love that, that, you know, Austin mentioned that because Caleb and I, you know, I I had a chance to to broadcast the game Thursday against UNF. Uh, I was on that, you know, broadcast team and, uh, talked to Caleb Mills before the game. And he said, he understood that this team was going to need a little bit more from him, uh, to, to have a little bit more energy, to be a better leader. Uh, he never really needed to adjust to a role. I think he needed to kind of I don't want to say handcuffs, but there needed to be an understanding between the staff and and Caleb that he was going to get more shots and that he had to kind of assert himself a little bit more. Um, And I think that the the program has started to hand him the keys to the Ferrari a little bit more uh, in some of these offensive possessions. And Caleb is starting to come through. Uh, And I think that's just the Caleb Mills that we, we thought we were getting. I think that's the Caleb Mills that when he goes to bed at night in November and December, he's saying, man, I, I, I really just want the ball a little bit more in my hand so that I can make a, a lot of things happen. But uh, give him credit. Give the rest of the guys credit for playing well off of him. Uh, Austin, uh, I think the Knolls are going to have to rely on Caleb really the rest of the season, in my opinion. I agree. He, he's the only guy that consistently not create not only for himself, but for others. You know, we, we saw when Florida State finally decided to put him in the middle of that 2-3 zone, that he can just do so much with the ball. And he's got, he's got the ball in such such a tight rope. Uh, he, he can just do whatever he wants with that basketball. He, he can pass it to either direction. Um, he's crafty around the rim. If you think about it, if he hits half of his layups against Duke, they win that game by 10. Um, he, he just really struggled to, to finish at the rim, which cuts Mark Williams. He just has that kind of impact. Um, he, he's just so crafty with the ball. And the more he gets going, the more you can kind of see the guys around him start to like lighten up a little bit. 
um, feel their own rhythm. It, it, that's the one thing about Leonard Hanson's teams. Once one guy gets going, it kind of spreads to the rest of the guys saying, oh, my, my brother's going off. Let, let me uh, let me start doing something, too. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, Florida State now 12 and five on the year. They beat UNF as well after they beat Duke, uh, a game that's in a tricky spot. Nooner, uh, not a lot of fans uh, at the Tucker Center. Um, but I credit the ones who did come to the game. They were pretty loud and, and, and gave the Seminoles uh, some support throughout. Uh, but you have to play UNF, who's going to jack up a ton of threes. Um, and you're playing on short rest and you don't have a lot of time. You're going to spread the minutes out, uh, even more than you usually do. And, uh, UNF ends up hitting 14 threes. I know the Knowles didn't focus on their game plan. I think nearly as much as the coaching staff wanted them to with the execution, but, um, whether or not I was talking to a couple of coaching staff members and I won't name names of before the game, but they said it's human nature. And we talk about human nature as a beast in that you were going to naturally, I don't want to say let down, but you were not going to have the same level of energy that you just had with what you exerted against Duke. Um, and Austin, again, you've been around the program. A lot of energy is exerted into the buildup of playing a big opponent like this. It's not just in the game. Uh, you're mentally like drained from the way that you've had to prepare and then execute against a, a top five team. And really goes before that. You know, you play a really emotional game at Syracuse. And then you have to take the longest flight in ACC, which is Syracuse to Tallahassee. You know, that, that's, that's something that's not talked about enough. And then you got to get ready, come back home and play the best team in the conference. You know, you go to overtime, all that energy is exerted in that emotionally and physically. Then, then to turn around, not even 36 hours later, by the time they finally got out of the Tucker Center after they you know, showered, ate, the media. You know, not even 36 hours later, you're back on that court again. That's tough. That's a lot to ask out of a college kid that's, you know, still got to wake up and go to class the next day. Like, that's a lot to ask out of them. It's not like the professional leagues where you can get round-the-clock treatment all the time. Um, for, for the, I, I, when the spread opened up at, what was it, 22 and a half against UNF, I'm like, there's no shot. Just there's absolutely no shot. You know, Florida State's going to use as much of their depth as possible. You know, they're, they're, they're going to do whatever they can, you know, win comfortably, but not win by 20. You know, as, it, you know, ideally, um, the some more walk-ons would have seen some minutes down the stretch. It just, it wasn't that kind of game because UNF shot as well from three as they have all season. I think it was 58%. It was just some ridiculous. Um, and that was without their best two players in Hendrickson and Blacher, which granted, yeah, they're the two best scorers, but they're also their two worst shooters. So without them there, it would open the floor up. Um, Hicklin was able to just have the ultimate green line with sitting tough shot after tough shot. Yeah, there were some open shots. You're going to expect that on 36 hours of rest. Guys are going to have dead legs and, We'll see if that carries over Saturday, but I, I wasn't too surprised by anything, anything in that game. And Bob, they still scored 86 points. I mean, <laughs> it was not a great performance and they scored 86 points. They forced a ton of turnovers. They crashed the glass at about 42% of their misses. Uh, the game plan was clearly the Knowles wanted to get to the, get to the rack. Uh, I know that from a fact as a fact from, from seeing the game, the, the scouting report and, uh, the Knowles executed. I mean, they they just obliterated UNF at the rim. Uh, all things considered, Baba, uh, a double-digit win and a good result going forward. I think this is one where the box score looks pretty good, but the actual product, uh, you know, within that window of, of two-plus hours wasn't, you know, pretty at all. I, I think in the end, you got 10 guys playing 10 minutes or more. That does help get a lot of guys' experience. The bummer for me looking forward to Miami, obviously, is – you know, Mills plays 27 minutes. Cleveland plays 27 minutes. Those are guys you don't want to have out there more than, say, maybe 
20 to 22 at the most. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, when you have such a quick, quick turnaround like this, it is significant as far as, you know, making a trip down to Miami and getting ready for, you know, those guards and the way they play and how tough it is going to be in terms of defensive pressure. So I think if there is a bummer, it is that, you know, force State couldn't go to the green team, couldn't, you know, obviously Prieto played 10 minutes, but you couldn't use guys like Lindner and some of the other guys just to keep some of the starters and those heavy rotational guys rest. But in the end, had to play the game, had to get the win, you get to 12, and it's going to become important because Florida State's going to start counting wins here the next couple of months as far as an NCAA tournament resume. Had to play it, had to get the win. Yeah, and overall, it, it hurt your net ranking a little bit. Uh, you dropped uh, there and in Ken Palm. Um, I know everyone agrees that it, it might have been better if – they didn't even have to play the game. Um, but I think from a coaching standpoint, you can make the argument too, that some of the freshmen needed more minutes, uh, some different guys, you know, you, you want, you want, you might want that extra win on the, on the resume. If you're still trying to shoot for 20 wins on the season. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that you gained a whole lot from, from playing that game, but some people were saying it really hurts you. I don't know if I'm there all the way. I think it doesn't, it doesn't stop or negate how big a win Duke was. Uh, and you have another opportunity against Miami on Saturday, Austin. And I think it's also important that you get that kind of simulation of postseason. You know, with ACC tournaments, back-to-back days, and the NCAA tournaments, game, break, game. Um, I think it's important to have those kind of simulations. Now, I don't know if you could consider UNF that kind of level opponent, but you still get the preparation. It's something that this young team really needs to see, oh, this is the kind of preparation we need to have. And they can lean on the older guys that have been here for, you know, forever with, with Linder and Prieto and, even Raycon Evans and Malik Osborne, they can lean on those guys to say, hey, we didn't do our best here um, as far as game planning and getting ready. But, you know, we, we still won. We still won by 13. Um, that's that's really all we can ask for. And let's go get ready for a tough Miami team that's chomp, probably chomping up the bit to get back at us. All right. Awesome. What, what can we expect from these Miami Hurricanes uh, second time through? Well, they're coming off a game where they beat UNC by about 50. Um, at least that's what it felt like. Um I'm expecting Isaiah Wan to to demand the ball a little bit more. If you go back to that first matchup uh, between Florida State and Miami, he really didn't get the touches he's used to. It was really Charlie Moore carrying him down the stretch. Um, I'm expecting, I'm really expecting them to come out in his, in his own defense. You know, we've we've seen Larinaga go go to that in the past. I'm kind of expecting that this game, just given the way Florida State's looked against the zone uh, this week alone. Uh, I'm expecting that gives their defense some rest. Um, and it allows them to play in the passing lanes, which they do really, really well. Um, maybe that's a bold take because Miami really hasn't played much zone this, this year. Um, but it's just something I'm expecting. It's something that I'm looking for. It's something I'm going to put in my game preview um, once it's ready. And then besides that, Florida State just has to find a way to get energy. You know, it's their last of four games in eight days. That, that's a tough ask of any college basketball team. Um, so, so we'll see how they respond to all that. And it'll be interesting to see who steps up for Florida State. You know, as Bob mentioned, Mills in Cleveland played 27 minutes yesterday. Um, how do they look tomorrow? Are they still going to be that same caliber of player where they can go out and score 15, 16 points if needed? Is Evans still going to be as steady-handed? We'll see. There's a lot of questions I have, but, you know, if they can find a way to win this game, it's going to it's gonna say a lot about this team because the next five games after this don't look as brutal as these past few have been. Yeah. If I told you that Miami got seven days between 
the Florida State game and the UNC game, and then uh, they get another four days before they play the Knolls again. Folks, uh, Miami's only played one game since they played the Knolls in Tallahassee on January 11th. The Knolls have played three since then. So uh, not all things are created equal. I hope you uh, take that, keep that in mind uh, with the result of the game, whether that's a win or a loss. Um, but Miami's much more well-rested. They probably need to be much more well-rested than Florida State just because they only really play seven guys total and five guys uh, who get like 90% of the minutes. Uh, with that being said, uh, it's going to be tough, though. I, I, I'm not as confident in this game as I am, as I have been in other, in other games nor am I as optimistic. I just think like Austin said, four games in eight days, the legs, there's going to be a residual effect somewhere. It's going to happen. Um, and, and this is a good Miami team. I think within that, that also lost the game against Florida state uh, in Tallahassee. So you got the revenge factor still there. Uh, you're going to have a packed house in, in the Watsco center, uh, a Miami team that is good. And that is much more well-rested than Florida state. Um, but uh, we'll see Austin, uh, before, I'm going to throw this to Bob in a second, but last thing from you, uh, give me a prediction for the game and give me three keys as to how Florida state can win this basketball game. I, I'm expecting Miami to win. Um, but I, I've really been thinking about the last few games, you know, if, if you expect to be disappointed, you'd rather be pleasantly surprised and greatly disappointed. I've just had that mindset the last couple of weeks, really since the Wake Forest game. Um, so I, I'm expecting Miami not only to be more fresh, like you said, just just ready to get it back at Florida State. You know, only one game in between there. They're, they're going to want to win this game. Um, you know, for Florida State, their depth is going to have to be key. Not, not just they're going to have to play more. They're going to have to be key. Like Those guys come off the bench are going to have to give you good minutes, have to score points. Guys like Jalen Worley that haven't contributed much on the stat sheet, they're, they're going to have to find a way to contribute. Um, Florida State's going to want to slow the game down like they did uh, last week. Um, I think the game only has 62, 63 possessions, which was – tied for the lowest Miami's played all season. Um, and you could tell that had an impact. Florida State's really been slowing the game down the last week, week and a half. And it's really, really working for them. And they've got to find a way to contain Miami's guards and Charlie Moore and Isaiah Wan. You know, those are two guys that are able to get buckets basically whenever they want them, uh, especially Charlie Moore recently. He's able to shoot from 30 feet. He's able to get to the rack. And he's able to do both very, very well. Um, if you can find a way to contain more a little bit a little bit better than you did in the first game and continue with the same game plan you had last week on Juan, you know, who does Miami turn to? Because, yeah, Cameron McGussie's good. Um, I, I still think he's a little bit inefficient. Anthony Walker's, at this point, he is what he is. He's been the same player for three years. Um, Sam Wardenberg, I'm not very high on. I'll, I'll be nice and leave it at that. So if, if Juan and Moore can't get going, who do they turn to to, to really make Florida State pay? All right, Bob, thoughts on this, uh, this Miami matchup for Florida State round two, this time in Coral Gables? I think the, the exhaustion factor could sit in for Florida State, but you've got the depth to potentially overcome it. Um, I mean, we know what Miami's going to bring. They're going to bring the pressure. They've got the big, the big three between Wong, Moore, and McGusty. Um, I think Florida State has to handle the ball really well. Not, you know, you're, you're going to be turned over. That's just the way Miami's going to be. Um, but I think Florida State has to maybe get one of the big three into foul trouble, uh, withstand some of those runs that Miami's going to have where they're going to turn uh, steals into points. And, um, you know, hope that you're in this one late just because of your depth. I, I, I wish this were more evenly matched as far as teams who were rested, you know, matching up uh, on the road. I don't think this is a win for Florida State, but also kind of like you guys, this isn't the, the worst loss if that's the way it plays out because it's been 
been a pretty damn good couple weeks. Yeah, I think I'm with both of you. I've got Florida State losing a close one. I don't think it's going to be, you know, Miami convincingly, but um, I think the Knowles are playing well enough to keep this thing really competitive. My keys are, can you turn Miami over? They're very elite at protecting the basketball. Um, the last time these two teams played, the Knowles did such a good job of, I think they forced something like 17 or 18% turnover against Miami, which for them is um, much, much higher. Yeah, it was 18% turnover rate. Um, and Miami is top five in the country, averaging just under 14%. So uh, can we do that again? Uh, number two, Miami is not a good rebounding basketball team on either side. Uh, the Knowles really took advantage of that uh, when they played back on January 11th and, and grabbed 42% of their misses. Uh, can they replicate something similar to that? I think the answer is yes, uh, because they've done it really all week uh, against both Duke and UNF. I, I think that trend continues. So maybe the second chance points for FSU makes the difference in a close game. Uh, and then the third thing, and this is going to be the toughest thing, the Knolls have to be serviceable from beyond the arc, in my opinion. I, I just, on the road especially, I think you got to hit some shots. You saw what it did against Syracuse when you hit 12 threes. It really changed the complexion of that game. Um, I don't know that they can. We'll see. Uh, but again, the exhaustion factor does come into play with those tired legs, and we'll see how many of those jumpers are short. Uh, and then lastly, I just kind of hope that the officials don't take over and call a bunch of fouls on the road on Florida State, which we've seen time and time again, um, because we can point at any one of these matchups and any one of these statistics and advanced stats, and it's not going to matter if Miami's like 25 of 29 from the free throw line. Um, that could also play a role in this game. But uh, Austin, it looked like you turned off your, your, uh, your mute for a second. Uh, you got some thoughts. Yeah, I was I was going to ch chime in while you're talking about second chance points. I can't believe we've gone this long and not mentioned. You know, what's Malik Osborne? You know, does he play? Um, if he does play, how does he look? You know, because he's one of the best offensive rebounders, not just in the ACC but in the country. My gut uh, says he does, Austin. My gut says my, he does. My gut says he plays as well. But is it going to be like Duke, where he's second on the on the team in minutes with 34 minutes? I I just don't think Florida State can allow him to do that because. Um, you know, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but it's, I, think it's, I think it's a little bit worse than what everyone's saying about his ankle. Um, yeah, yeah, there's some things that we both heard that I, I don't want. You definitely don't put it out on the pod. Um, but yes, it, he can it's, still play. Like, has been cleared. He's been cleared to play, though, um, I think, medically. It's just tough because, you know, he, he's such an explosive athlete when he's healthy, and right now he just doesn't have any explosion. He's got no lift, but he still gives the team what they need when he's in there. And that's leadership, that's offensive rebounding, and that's the ability to stretch the floor. You know, if he can give Florida State a good 20, 23, 24 minutes, I, I think that's, that goes a long way in this game. Yeah, it is a shame. Uh, Malik, uh, Malik Osborne um, really does change the game with the explosion uh, when he's good, when he's right. Um, and it's game-changing ability. We've seen that time and time again in his career. All right, Ken Palm has... Uh, Miami winning 75, 72, probably expect the spread to be about three to three to four points, maybe set it at, you know, three, three and a half, uh, but 60% chance for Miami to win per the advanced stats. 40% uh, chance though, that's, that's more than a puncher's shot and FSU is good enough to, to take care of business. And if they do, they uh, will put themselves in some really good positions. Bob, I want to give you a chance. Any final thoughts before we uh, sign off on this one? You know, I don't have very much else. I think we've kind of hit all the bases. I think it is uh, pretty key what, what Malik, Malik Osborne can give you in terms of minutes. Um, I don't think we want to see him playing 30-plus minutes either. 
But if he can go, and I think I think he will too, because he rested against North Florida, this is probably part of the plan. Rest him, give him um, some lighter days leading up to, a, say, a walkthrough on Friday, and then the play on Saturday. So it should be a fun game. I know it'll be a, a good a good smaller Florida State section of that crowd down to Watsco Center, but uh, always a lot of Knowles showing up in South Florida when uh, Florida State teams are down there. You never know. The last time the two teams were down there, it was a ton of Garnet and Gold uh, in that arena. Um, but I think Miami fans right now are pretty excited about uh, where their basketball team is under Laranega. Austin, any final thoughts from you before uh, we say goodbye? Um, it is always, I hate Miami. Uh, go Knowles. <laughs> and uh, hopefully they're leaving South Beach with a win. Um, really much needed win because, you know, you get two Q. You don't, it's not often this season you're going to get two, two Q1 chances. Um, so you can go two and on those games, kind of counteract your four and two record in, in, in quad and three games. Um, I, I think that goes a long way towards their, their outlook in March. So, you know, I, I, I'm expecting disappointment, like I mentioned earlier, and hopefully they surprise me yet again because this team really has turned a corner and they've surprised me in many ways these last couple of weeks. And I hope to be continually surprised. All right, Bob Ferranti, Austin VZ, great work from you boys. Uh, Aria Masudi, thanking you for listening to this episode of Tuck Talk. And again, thank you to our sponsors, Alumni Hall, Farm Stores, and of course, Chick-fil-A. And uh, until next time, hope the Knowles get another big rivalry win and they sweep the Miami Hurricanes. If they can do that, we'll have a great podcast early next week. Until next time, I'm Aria Masudi. Talk to you later. Farm Stores is coming soon to Tallahassee. Look for them at 950 West Tharp Street on the corner of Tharp and Old Bainbridge. Farm Stores is America's neighborhood drive through market. Carries all your favorite groceries, baked goods, and household brands. But even better is that it's all brought out to your car. Follow Farm Stores on Facebook, Instagram, or download the app for all the latest info. Or go to farmstorestally.com.